relations man. We'll also have artists like Rob Payne. We'll hear music from Beardy Man and Gaudi, and uh, much more. So stick with us. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Arts Report for August 11th, 2010. I'm your host, Adam Janusz. And on today's show, it's a Shambhala, the festival. Uh, this just went down uh, from Friday till uh, Sunday, this past uh, weekend, over in Salmo, BC, which is close to Nelson. And I went. I, I went along for the ride, and uh, I survived. I survived. My voice uh, isn't quite here, but, um, you know, you can't... You can't win them all. You can't win them all. So I, I do apologize for my croaky, uh, croaky, is that a word? My creaky voice today, uh, but I am recovering from uh, shambolitis, let's call it. Shambolitis of the throat. So, so yeah, I'll try, to, I'll try to not die during the show. Uh, let me tell you um, some of the wonderful things that we will be talking about. Uh, we'll speak to Marvin Walker, who was not only the pub- public relations guru for the fest, but uh, wore many hats. I think he was a, a volunteer host, host coordinator. Oh, I really should not have attempted that. I just know that he had many jobs, um, but I cannot name them. And uh, uh, was a very busy man, uh, definitely uh, very much in the know of what was going on. So uh, he filled us in on on all the important stuff. Uh, I also spoke to Rob Payne, who is a DJ who's worked with uh, Roots Underground, which is uh, a very big uh, Jamaican reggae uh, group from Kingston. Uh, what else? Uh, we will have some uh, music from the fest that I recorded um, while I was there, including from uh, Beardy Man, which is a, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, beat, beatbox? Yes, beatbox. It was a beatbox guy uh, from the UK, as well as Gaudi, who is based in, in London as well. He's Italian. Uh, he's another artist. Uh, and I have some recordings of him. Uh, we'll hear a bit from Bass Nectar as well. Uh, he was um, very much uh, keenly uh, anticipated at Shambhala. And uh, we'll get a sampling of, of uh, his music. We'll also talk to... Um, what is her name? Let me pull it up. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. But um, we'll, talk to the, uh, we'll talk about drug testing and harm reduction. Which, um, you know, rumor has it that drugs are consumed at Shambhala. Um, I I spoke to some people on the street, I guess, the streets of Shambhala. Uh, None of them would would admit to any drug use. So uh, nothing confirmed, but uh, but the the whispers are that uh, some drugs are done. And the uh, the good folks at the Harm Reduction Pavilion were there to, to give people information about drugs and sex. And, um, and how to be smart about uh, those activities. So we'll hear about that. And as I said, we'll, t- we'll hear t- uh, from some Shambhala-ers, some people who were there, um, some, some really interesting individuals. We'll hear from them. And uh, I think that's... Uh, oh, right, and we'll also hear about some other things that happened in the festival, including uh, the fashion show and a uh, meditation circle. Yeah, so all kinds of things went down. So there's no time to waste. We must get started immediately. And uh, uh, first up, 
is Marvin Walker. So, uh, for those uh, who don't know what Shambhala is, it's a massive, one-of-a-kind camping music festival. And uh, it happens every year. And it's uh, mostly electronic music. And what you do is you camp. You camp out, you bring all your stuff, you bring anything, really, anything except glass and uh, alcohol and fire are permitted. And you, um, you can bring, uh, you know, furniture. Some people brought uh, couches and, um, you know, all the food you can, you can possibly stuff in your car and uh, your tent, of course, and you, you camp out. So whenever you're not uh, getting down on, uh, on the, uh, the grass floor or the beach floor, or, or any other of the venues that they had, you were uh, were just camping in the outdoors or or um, swimming in uh, in the river out in uh, in the Kootenays of BC. So um, yeah, so that that's what uh, Shambhala is as well. Uh, as I said, it's electronic music, and they had uh, six stages ranging from one called the living room, which was uh, on the beach, where you could uh, li- literally just dip your feet in water and listen to to uh, amazing DJs from all around the world, to a place called the rock pit, which was in the center of the uh, the main grounds, um, to the uh, to the village and labyrinth, which were um, stages set up in a forest. And included uh, elaborate structures that resembled an, an Ewok village. An Ewok village, you know, like from Star Wars. Yeah, so some very cool venues and uh, lots to, uh, to, to, to take in. If, um, whether you're on drugs or not, it's, it's, it's lots of stuff to uh, uh, enjoy. Uh, feast for the eyes and the senses, sober or not. So here is uh, Marvin Walker. And um, we covered uh, really everything. We covered everything. I don't really need to um, introduce this other than to say uh, there was um, very loud speakers. There was also an incident um, of, of uh, some what some thought was terrorism, perhaps, but probably not terrorism. Um, it involves um, somebody putting green, green, a green substance, a green dye into the river, uh, and that caused, uh, caused a stir. And, uh, yeah, so here's Marvin Walker. Uh, tell me about the these speakers. Is there anything like this? Uh, I heard a, a rumor that they're the most powerful speakers in North America. Is that true? Uh, I know that the PK Sound is now building them in Calgary, and all sorts of DJs are, are specifically asking to tour with them. So he's doing really well uh, exporting those down to the States and throughout. So they feel it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, technically I'm not sure if, if it's the, what it is that makes it them uh, with the tightest uh, sound for this type of music, but it certainly is uh, the best I've ever heard. And before we go any further, I knew I'd missed a stage, and I better I better not do <laughs> that. The rock pit stage is our other stage, and that uh, uh, is built into a, what used to be a gravel pit. has a great big uh, tent over top of it. It's it's open, but it's got shade, big shade tent like one of those saddle dome tents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's a lot of live music as well as electronica. You said that it's, it's really taken off in the last five years, and uh, this year it's, it's sold out. Is this the first time that it's sold out? It's sold out before the show this year, and that is a first. Right. We've sold out, uh, I believe, three years previous to this. So it would be the fourth year in a row that it's sold out. But uh, the other years it sold out during the show. At one point, probably like on Friday or Saturday of the weekend. Right. And is there, yeah. is there potential to expand it, to, to offer more tickets next year? No, there isn't really uh, any plans to increase the numbers, per se. 
Um, there's a lot of uh, the infrastructure that is there, we feel, is, it gets fairly maxed out at, at the number 10,000. And then also there's lots of levels of government that get involved and they start putting a lot more um, restrictions and, and get involved even more after that number. But really, you know, it's a one road in and out, which is probably the biggest factor. It does take a little while to unload and, and, uh, and get a, expel everyone out there that on, the, on the Monday. Uh, what we have plans for is more um, qualitative rather than quantitative, you know, just increasing the, uh, uh, the experience, the guest experience. Yeah. Okay. And um, tell me about the, the other aspect of the festival, the, uh, the, the great tent city, literally city of tents. Uh, well, yes, we made some changes this year. Um, you know, before we would let people camp with vehicles, without vehicles, wherever. So we're trying, our vision is to have people park in a field and then uh, shuttle their gear down closer to the area. So that creates a higher density near the stages, uh, allowing people not to have to travel so far. And it also has a def- definitely a, a nice aesthetic feel. Definitely just all these tents right around the actual festival site. Mm-hmm. Um, we will always have to have some vehicles close to the site for, you know, for instance, bands have to show up and, mm-hmm. and, and move their gear in and all the vendors and that sort of thing. So there will be a component of that, but we're trying very hard to make it a, a real nice tent city. And I don't know if uh, you noticed, but I thought it was uh, had a different feel and uh, quite a nice one this year. Mm-hmm. And at its, at its peak, is it, is it bigger than Nelson, the population? Well, it's about the same. Yeah. Nelson itself, right within the city, is 10,000 people. Um, but, of course, we service 30,000 people within half an hour. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's about the size of Nelson itself, Nelson proper. Yeah, and uh, it was quite a feat uh, to get all these people uh, through the gates. And some people, in fact, waited for as long as 15, 16 hours. Is that, is that normal, or was, was there something different this year? I heard about the... Uh, 15, 16 hour waits and it was unfortunately a very hot day that day Um, so they were in fields waiting. As far as we can determine those numbers would be uh, including the fact that they came the night before and stayed in the holding field because uh, we get a lot of people showing up on the Tuesday night. We don't open our gates until 8 o'clock Wednesday. So uh, we probably had two to three thousand people in our field on the Tuesday night. So the time that they sat through there and then from 8 o'clock on the next day I think would be more realistic to say it was 16 hours. There definitely were people sitting in that field for 8, 9 hours uh, during the day Wednesday to get processed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's partially because everybody comes at once and uh, way before the festival but also because we do extensive searches. We are, uh, we are quite determined to um, eliminate some of the, the, the dangers at the festival, and that would be uh, any fire-producing, uh, you know, no, no uh, charcoal barbecues, that kind of thing. There's no fire, no glass. It's a working farm. We can't uh, have <clears throat> glass all over the grounds and, and, and that for, because the cows come in basically the week after we're gone. The cows hmm. are in that area again. Um, and uh, so no open flame, no firearms, no weapons. And, you know, with uh, that many people, we definitely... Um, go through everybody's packs and make sure that there's no bad drugs coming in in large quantities. We try our very hardest to uh, stop any, uh, any, any of the bad people coming in, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. 
Yep, and there's a there's a huge crew of people um, doing that, as well as the the myriad other tasks that go into the festival. Um, tell us a bit about the um, the the army of volunteers, because uh, I've had several people remark at how um, well run and efficient and smooth the operations were. Well, yeah, we we work on it year round. There's a six six uh, hired staff all year round and including myself and also including the uh, person who does the human resources so uh, we work on systems uh, we change it every year uh, it's unfortunately we kind of think wow we got it and then we we break it down and build it back up again see if we can do it better um, so it takes a lot of time to do that and I really do agree with you I think this year and every year I've only worked three years in a row here for the festival and every year definitely seems better so we're, we're working in the right direction. We have uh, up to 2,000 staff, uh, staff and volunteers, and that would include uh, the vendors and the talent as well. So um, it's a lot of people for sure to coordinate. Uh, we have team leaders. I think there's 40-some-odd teams. The team leaders are, are selected because they've been a few years and they know that job. Um, so they will pass down that information. There is a site orientation and safety WCB orientation that everybody has to take. Um, and so, you know, we're just trying to do everything as, as, as well as, as we can, as good as we can, to make sure that uh, this thing runs smooth. I have to ask you about, uh, on Saturday, the incident in the river where it turned green. Yeah. Uh, what happened there? Well, it was definitely a green river, wasn't it? <laughs> it uh, sure was. Some, uh, there was a prankster, we have not caught him yet, uh, threw uh, a dye, which is called fluorescein, into the river. And fluorescein is used to, in industrial to locate pipe leaks. Um, so it's very, very bright lime green. And it's got an extremely high excitation uh, factor, which means that a little tablet would, fill, would make about you know, hundreds of gallons green. So we found a small box of this stuff in the river, and uh, one of our workers jumped right in and got it out, which was pretty brave of him, not knowing really what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, so we extracted a fair amount of that out before it uh, had a chance to, to keep going. Um, this dye is also used, by the way, it's totally non-toxic. It's used for uh, angiograms uh, in, the, um, in the eye to track uh, eye blood vessels for retina and cornea surgery. So they actually use it in medicine. Uh, within the body in, in very, very mild concentrations, of course. So in high concentrations, it has been known to cause uh, some allergic effect, uh, effects. But uh, so far, we haven't had one person uh, come up and, and even say that there was a problem. We, of course, shut down the beach stage right away and uh, had people down there getting everyone out of the river till we determined what it was. And, uh, you know, within half an hour, the stage was running again. And probably within an hour, the water was completely clear once again. So it was a little bit of a scare for sure, and, uh, and I guess uh, some, someone's uh, joke, but uh, wasn't really considered one by us. Hmm. Um, I uh, spent a bit of time in Nelson after the festival, and um, I definitely sensed a bit of uh, ambivalence, that uh, there was a sense of pros and cons by having uh, Shambhala in the, in the neighborhood. Um, is there any suspicion that um, the prankster was, uh, was an angry Nelsonian? Well, you know, it would be complete uh, conjecture, but that's the first <laughs> thing that I thought someone was, uh, you know, not, not liking the festival. 
But, you know, it could have easily been somebody who just thought it was a really funny thing to do. They pour that stuff in the, uh, in the Charles River in Boston and also the Chicago River on mm-hmm. St. Patty's Day as, uh, you know, a celebration, or they did to one point. And, uh, and so, you know, it's quite possible it was either way, but I uh, wouldn't want to comment. We have not found them yet, so really mm-hmm. don't know on that one. And how about the, the relationship with, uh, with Nelson? A lot of the, the festival people uh, live there, right? And um, it certainly her- helps the economy, and, uh, it, but it also taxes the police service. What's the relationship like with Nelson and Shambhala? Well, it's, um, it's, it's, a growing, uh, it's a growing relationship, really. Um, certainly there's lots of people that go to Shambhala and love it from town, and there are also a lot of businesses that, that like it because it does increase the, the money and the, you know, the multiplying, multiplier effect in this local area is certainly up in the you know, uh, 5 to $7 million range, that kind of thing is what we've been told. However, you're absolutely right. Uh, the um, the police force and certain uh, areas of of town are definitely impacted. There's a lot of youth that stay around. I think maybe this uh, no minors might have helped this year. We'll have to have a look at that because quite often it was the younger folks that really didn't have a lot of money that were hanging around later. And uh, you know, we've taken steps. Both we meet all year round with the police, uh, the ambulance service, the Ministry of Health, uh, all levels of government. And, and try to work stuff up. We do contribute to the um, uh, food bank, local food bank here, and uh, we're just trying our hardest to, to try to lessen the impact, on, the negative impact in the community. And I think it's just a work in progress. That's what I was saying before about a growing relationship. It's really a work in progress, and I know that next year I've already got more ideas for what we can do, and we certainly are dedicated to, uh, to trying to make it a positive experience for everyone. Perfect. Well. Thank you very much for your time. All right, Adam. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. And that was Marvin Walker of the Shambhala Festival. Um, I should add uh, that uh, the first little bit of that interview um, was was cut for time. So if you were a bit confused, um, why I just started talking about speakers and then uh, Marvin jumped in to mention one more stage was uh, because the earlier part involved talking about uh, the stages and that was cut. Now you know. Okay. So, uh, we've heard about uh, the organizational side. I think it's time we heard some music. So, um, here's a, a little uh, sample uh, from the living room stage on Sunday night. Uh, this is by Gaudi. And uh, when Gaudi is not uh, DJing all over the world, he lives in London. And when he's not in London, he's uh, working on the X Factor in Italy. He is the uh, the vocal coach for um, for the aspiring singers on the Italian version of uh, Simon Cowell's show, The X Factor. So um, here's a little sampling of what uh, we heard at Shambhala. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
thousand feet. Television cold and I'm bored stiff. What about putting on a hot Gramophone record to cheer me up? Hello? Hello? Is this Harlem 77711? Hello, fellas. This is Duke Ellington. Ah, uh, get it, boys. Let's get sweet and hot. In the opinion of hot music critics, Count Basie has one of the best dance orchestras in the country. King of the clarinet, Artie Shaw, and his orchestra making dance history in the Bull Room of the Hotel Lincoln in New York City. Every Thursday from 10 till noon, join me, your host, Charles Burnham, for Sweet and Hot, a celebration of the 78 RPM record, a three-minute masterpiece, and the golden age of North American songwriting. Hot jazz, swing, and popular music from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. That's every Thursday from 10 till noon, here on CITR 101.9 FM. All right, you're listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and online at CITR.SCA. Uh, you're listening to our Shambhala Review Special. And uh, next, we have the DJ, Rob Payne. He's based out of Philadelphia, and he played uh, the the living room uh, at just around the time that the the river water started becoming green. Um, yeah. So um, before we before we wow, I can't even speak today. Um, this shambolitis is just knocking me down. Um, let me try that again. Before we get to the interview. Here is a sampling of his music. Ah, there we go. Uh, this one is called This Is Oh Well, This Is The Life by Rob Payne. Rob Payne with This Is uh, The Life. And uh, now here's my interview with Rob Payne at Shambhala. All right. All right, so this is Adam from CITR, and I'm sitting here with... Rob Payne. And uh, we're sort of resting on a sandy, uh, sandy log in the media zone of Shambhala. And uh, first off, how are you enjoying uh, the festival? Uh, definitely the best one of the summer. I've been playing a lot of festivals this summer, and this by far takes the crown. So I'm guessing you haven't been to Shambhala before? I have, actually. The yeah. first time I was brought out was uh, in 01, and I played about three or four times over the last 10 years. And um, But it was a little uh, hiatus. I, I didn't come for the last three years, and then oh, okay. this is my first time, so to see it 
you know, every year it just gets that much more, man. It's your return, hey? Oh, it's amazing, yeah. How do you think it's changed? Like, I mean, I'm assuming you've had a chance to, to actually partake in it a bit? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just they're always looking for, you know, things to make just better for next year. And you can see that every year. You can see that they're just doing, like, you know, everything they can and make yeah. it just such a better experience. To step and, it up. And it's, you know, it's great. I mean, I think it's still got the same values it did. You know, I wasn't at the first one, but, you know, I was kind of an early one, and uh, I, I feel this energy is still the same, you know, it's like a non-corporate, you know, none of that, it's just it's just people, man, working together, and working hard together, and playing hard together, and it's it's a beautiful thing, there's nothing like this, there really is nothing like this anywhere in the world, I mean, there's festivals, and they got their own thing, and, you know, but this is this has got its own thing, I mean, just because of the, the surrounding, and where we're at, I mean, it's people, everything, man, it's... It's definitely got this incredible kind of atmosphere yeah. to it, and everybody, you know, is so free, you know, yeah. whether they're naked or just wearing funky, silly costumes. Yep. There's oh, a, yeah, it's yeah. a great you spirit can, of brotherhood. Hey? You can express yourself fully here. There is no holding back, man. You you be how you really want to be here, and everyone does it, and everyone, um, you know, appreciates it. And there's, you know, there's no weird vibes like that. There's no, like, you know... Yeah, there's I'm, no in crowd yeah. or there's no hate. Yeah, yeah, Because right? I'm from the East Coast, and you can, there's a lot of hating going on, and is I there? see it. Yeah, I mean, it's just part of it, you know. It's just a different different uh, demographic. But it's, uh, so being here, you know, it's just like, and this is, you know, truly how I am. So it's lovely, it's great to be, you know, with like-minded people. And, yeah, and uh, a lot of people were saying how, how impressed they were with that atmosphere and how they'd want to stay in it forever. Would you, if, yeah. there, if there was a Shambhala town that existed uh, oh, yeah. all year, would you, would you oh, live yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was we were joking about it earlier. I was like, man, they should at least have it like three months, like just Shambhala for three months, yeah. like straight, just open 24/7. Shambhala season. Yeah, yeah. So, but that'd be kind of hard, I guess, to manage, you know, people yeah. coming in and also. Yeah. But it, it could happen. I mean, it really could. So I understand you were playing when the uh, the green uh, sludge yeah. came down the river. What happened? It was actually we were. I was just hanging on the beach at first, and uh, you know, my set was in about an hour and a half, and you know, they come down and they start telling everyone to get out there's like some toxic they didn't really know what was going on but they just knew they had to get everyone out i mean that's the thing they're very professional man they're on top of everything here and um so they got everyone out and then i went and I had a massage so i'm like in the massage but i can hear everything that's going on next to the stage and like oh well we've got to shut the stage down i was like damn i guess there goes my second set i'm not playing but then a half hour later right when i was getting out of my massage they're like it's open come over so everything got pushed back a little bit so you're um, fully rested and ready to go oh man i was i was that was perfect i mean that's the thing they really know how to take care of their talent and make you feel just absolutely wonderful man because it's you know it's not easy to get here especially from the east coast it's two minimum two flights usually three and yeah, tell me a little about a little bit about that how do, how do you get to just well, the backwards of nelson I used to do the three flights and flying like Castlegar or something but it usually get like canceled or something would happen so the best thing for us is just do two flights, fly into Spokane, and then drive up. It's a beautiful drive. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's so much better than doing the three flights. Because you get sick, man. Every time you go up in the air, you get sick. Right. It sucks, you know? Like, I hate going home and trying to get back into, like, you know, my normal work. And then you're, like, you know, all banged up on the weekend. And I travel almost every weekend, so it's... Now, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the venue, the, you know, the beach, the living room over there. Do you get any say in that? Are you, are you, is no, that a good... I just, uh, Mike... Was Payne. it a good vibe? Oh yeah, I mean it's, yeah, it's, it, that's that's like, if from what I know, that's like the stage that is the, the most local, like like people like you know it's a lot of local support, and Mike Payne and his wife, it's funny we both have the same last name, it's spelled the same way and everything, but they brought me out here for the first time, uh, me and my partner Zach, and um, you know I I owe everything to those guys, man, like 
they really broke me into this whole, you know, this scene up here because I get to play a lot of other festivals around here and, you know, dates, you know, in Nelson and Vancouver and stuff. So, um, but they, you know, they, I, I owe everything to those guys, man. They're wonderful people, um, and they're doing it right, man. They're doing it. Cool. And tell me what's uh, what's next for you? Uh, more touring, maybe? Yeah, I'm I go home for a few days, and then I'm uh, I got a, a show in Jamaica in Kingston um, nice. this this Saturday. And then I'm gonna be working for about three or four days in the studio down there with this uh, this band called Roots Underground, okay. uh, reggae like a modern reggae roots rock reggae band. They're real, they're probably like one of the biggest bands, if not the, the biggest bands, out of uh, Jamaica right now. Because you, as you know, there's not like a lot of bands anymore out of Jamaica. It's just artists, you know. I mean, there's a couple. There's like Morgan Heritage and of course Burning Spear and all of them are still around, but it's mainly just artists. So these guys got together and the lead guitarist is actually a DJ too. He's a house techno DJ. So when he caught on to my record label back in like 98 and heard like the the reggae influence in the you know the house that we we're doing for worship recordings he like hit me on the internet right away and we've been best friends ever since and then a couple years later they started getting their band like they, everyone was getting out of school and they're like well, what are we gonna do like let's get the band going let's get the band going and so i've seen it you know the whole like thing just come from you know pretty much square one and now they're like touring everywhere man all over the world and like we for every album they do i do like a street level promotion mix cd for them so i'll take a lot of the songs um you know that they, they they have on the album and redo them over like different rhythms and like you know change it up and then get a couple artists artists like kind of family involved artists nice. you know on it and you know just put out a mix to kind of like hit the street level you know yeah, right yeah. so expand so, the audience yeah yeah exactly so That's yeah cool. fun with it so i'm gonna be working in the studio with them and uh record all the tracks for that and then i'll be back and then i got a couple dates uh in philly um and then dc and then um, I'm pretty much going to take a couple months off to get back into production and just really, like, you know, buckle down and get ready for the for the next year. So, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. All right, and that was uh, Rob Payne. Okay, so now let's uh, let's move on and, and hear from the streets, hear from the streets of Shambhala and uh, talk to some of these uh, amazing people that uh, Rob and I uh, discussed uh, that are creating this, this amazing free atmosphere, free, loving, and um, creative, colorful. So, yeah, so here's uh, three, three examples of some Shambhalars. All right, so this is Adam at Shambhala, and I'm standing here with... Salmon. And uh, Salmon, describe for us... A Secret Hobo Spices. And tell us, Secret Hobo Spices, um, what you're wearing. I'm wearing a neon headband that I just cut up from a neon shirt, and I'm wearing handlebars that I drew on with a marquee, and I'm also wearing a leather jacket that is kind of like a biker jacket, and I'm wearing trucks from different, two different trucks from, with two different shoes, and uh, we're just about to go have a good time at Shambhala. Excellent. Have you been to Shambhala before? Yes, I have. Trust his and what have you seen so far that's, uh, what are the highlights so far? Rico Tubbs was one of the highlights. Um, also, the power of the speakers really compel me. And what do you uh, what do you mean by that? It fills my voids with some uh, internal organs, and uh, whatever I was missing, I find here. Have you done a lot of drugs here? No, I'm uh, completely sober. Awesome! Thanks, thanks for speaking with me. Thank you for interviewing me. Happy Shamba love. <laughs> All right, I am standing here with Gregory C. Haas. Uh, tell me, Gregory, uh, describe for us for radio what you are wearing today. Uh, 
Well, from the bottom up, a pair of sandals, Ninja Turtle sandals that I bought in a Spencer Gifts on the way here. Uh, a pair of boxer briefs and a leather, what appears to, uh, yeah, a leather skirt and then a leather uh, pouch belt thing on top of that. And then, um, and then pretty much just a bunch of rags tied onto random parts right, of my so body. You, so then you're bare, bare chested basically. And then what is on your head? Uh, this is a helmet that I made out of a uh, cougar skull and a bunch of uh, strips of black cloth that um, I took from a Scream costume. Where, where did you find a cougar skeleton? I found it on Craigslist. It was actually really difficult to find, and um, I haven't been able to find anything like it since. And yeah, it was it's completely professionally uh, prepared by uh, a local taxidermist in Vancouver, and yeah, he, it was... Um, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful thing. Like it's completely intact. Cool. And the way you are, the way you have sort of black underneath, um, and you have the lower jaw piece on your jaw, so that when you speak, it looks in the dark like it's just the uh, the skull speaking. Um, have you been uh, freaking the crap out of people at uh, Shambhala? Yeah, I have. And uh, that that actual specific aspect of it, how the jaw moves when I talk, that was completely unintentional. I didn't really have. Uh, any uh, actual cognizant uh, <laughs> intention by that whatsoever. So it's just kind of a happy, happy bonus that I get to freak people out that way too. Have you ever been to Shambhala? Nope, never. And uh, what are the highlights for you so far? Uh, just the, well, unbelievable music combined with just the amount of, just the visual scope of the whole place and just all the different worlds that it has to offer and just the absolute sheer enormity of how many people are here and what's just <laughs> the vibrations, the mood that everyone's in. Yeah. Do you think you'll come back next year? Uh, well, I can't even say. Who knows? I'd like to. I'd love to. But, yeah, it all depends on uh, just where I'm at in a year. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, enjoy the rest of the festival. Oh, I certainly shall, man. Thanks. You too. <laughs> Great. I just got to get, like, the first strap there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm standing here with... Mike Cunningham. And... Jody Manlove. <laughs> and um, it looks as though uh, Mike is getting a camera duct taped to his forehead. Why are you doing this? I really have no idea why I'm doing this. Um, if you'd like a more in-depth answer, Jody may be able to tell you. She's more sober right now than I am. Jody, Jody why is he doing this? Um, so he can remember what he did tonight. <laughs> <laughs> And why is that necessary? Are you are you going to be doing a lot of drugs tonight? Uh, Perhaps. I don't know about that. Just the, the, the vibe from Shambhala is so crazy that I, I might get carried away and and do something that I might forget. So basically you're just going to turn that, that uh, video recorder on and just uh, let it capture everything that you see, is that right? Yeah, exactly. I have about 20 minutes left on my memory card, so I figure I can capture a good 20 minutes of the debauchery that's going to go down. So. <laughs> and who, who are you going to see? Who am I going to see? Base what? Oh, the artist. Uh, I'm going to see Bass Nectar and Nero. Uh, what am I going to see? I think I'm going to see everything possible. <laughs> Excellent. Enjoy the shows. Thank you. Okay, so that's uh, a sampling of uh, the good folk of Shambhala Town. And um, it's amazing that uh, that they're all so, so sober. Um, um, I, I, it's just... Uh, it just boggles the mind that it's it's such a such a quiet affair. Um, 
but perhaps perhaps there are a few a few uh, drug takers somewhere somewhere in there and um some of those drug takers um might want to get some advice about uh the substances that they have or perhaps they want to test the substances that they've uh, they've procured for the festival and see if they are actually what they are and not something like uh turpentine uh, or battery acid. Well, Shambhala provided uh, a service just for that end, and uh, it was called the Harm Reduction Pavilion, and it included drug testing. So when we return from this uh, short break, we'll talk to Jamie Macbeth uh, from Anchors, uh, which is an organization that I will tell you about after the break, and uh, and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about drugs. Bond. James Bond. You got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? You talking to me? You talking to me? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Just a sweet transvestite Where else can you see Hollywood blockbusters, midnight cult classics, indie films, live music, burlesque, stand-up comedy, poetry slams, and live sporting events all at your local theater? The Rio Theater voted number one in East Vancouver, your neighborhood indie theater that promotes all things cool. Don't miss the most anticipated film of the summer, Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Leonardo DiCaprio at the Rio Theater. 1160 East Broadway at Commercial. For more info, go to riotheater.ca. And we're back. Um, incidentally, I, I went to uh, the UBC uh, hospital today to, um, to, to check out my shambolitis. And um, I have to say the doctor wasn't, uh, wasn't too impressed with me. He uh, basically told me I'm I'm 25 years old, um, very healthy, and should just give it a couple of days, and the shambolitis should pass by itself. I asked him, "Are you sure? Uh, maybe I should be given an antibiotic." And he said, "Nah, nah, you're fine. Go away." So so I did, uh, which was kind of disappointing for me. But anyway, all right. So moving right along, we uh, I talked to Jamie Macbeth, and she is with an organization called Anchors which is, I have it right in front of me, AIDS Network Kootenai Outreach and Support Society, which uh, was established in 1992 as a non-profit society. They provide a multitude of services. We are pleased to assist your inquiries by phone, mail, uh, blah, blah, blah. Basically, um, they serve those, here we go, serving those living with and at the greatest risk of acquiring HIV, AIDS, and or HCV who have difficulty obtaining services elsewhere, especially due to substance use, mental illness, sexual orientation, gender identity, race and ethnicity, and or other social barriers. And uh, Jamie Macbeth uh, is in charge of prevention and education, and she often goes into local schools in the Nelson area to talk about um, sex and drugs and how to be responsible and intelligent and make wise decisions. And she uh, told me she was at Shambhala and told me about some of the activities 
that um, she she conducts related to drugs, and also we we had a we, we went a little bit in depth into ecstasy uh, use and and um, and misuse and uh, and other drugs that may or may not be consumed, may or may not have been consumed at uh, Shambhala. Okay, so tell me a little bit about um, harm reduction and pill testing and um, what goes on in that process. Okay, so harm reduction at a party is trying to meet people where they're at, uh, create a relationship of trust and respect, and find out what people are doing, whether it's drugs or sex or a risky behavior, um, find out what people are doing and try to reduce the risk around that with trust and respect and education. Um, so here, a lot of it is uh, we do pill testing, um, we hand out condoms, we talk about, obviously, like how to take the drugs and the dosage, because often there's no real education around dosage, which is dangerous. Um, the pill testing looks like, uh, it's a very simple test, it's simply a reagent test. So what we can do is uh, the client will scrape the pill or open up the cap or give us a little bit of powder and we can put reagent on it. And if it, it can test positive for MDMA, MDA, MDE, so an ecstasy-like substance, it can test positive for ketamine, for speed, for DXM, which is uh, like cough syrup, um, and it can test positive for uh, the 2CB or 2CT class family. Uh, if it doesn't show for those, then we simply can say it's not testing for what you thought it was, and so we recommend you don't take it. So it's not the perfect test, but for what we can afford to do, it, it does help prevent overdose. And um, what can it register more than one? drug? No. So if it shows positive for MDMA, that's it. Then it, it turns black and then you know that it has the presence of, of an MDMA-like substance and you don't know what it's cut with. So that gives us the window of opportunity to talk about dosage because uh, what we often see, see at raves is that people are taking four or five hits a night and one, you're wasting money if you're doing that, right? Why? Why is that? <laughs> the way ecstasy works on the brain is it releases your serotonin and dopamine levels and after you take two caps of E, it's gone. And it's gone for about a week, right? And so um, that's if it's acting on your serotonin and dopamine. So if you are getting high after your two hits of your two caps of E, you're getting high off the meth or the speed or the drain or whatever is cut into oh, your E, right? Okay. So that's so that's part of the, the deal with education around dosing is it gives it it gives us that opportunity to jump in there and, and um, do a little harm management. Okay. Yeah. What about mixing? What is What are some of the harms of mixing drugs? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so a big one. Um, mixing drugs is dangerous. And one thing that we see at raves is a lot of people come from booze culture, kind of like high school booze culture where you hit it as hard Binge as you can, culture. right? Yeah. And so trying to do that with drugs is just asking to die. <laughs> um, so... One of the big dangers is mixing a depressant with a depressant, right? So GHB or ketamine with alcohol. Uh, GHB is the number one ODer at raves. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, at, a, at a high dose, you go into a GHB coma, and then lots of things can happen where you can vomit and choke on your own vomit, or simply you just don't wake up. Your respiratory, your respiratory system just conks out. Right, so the depressing effects are so strong that you just basically yeah. stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also mixing uppers with downers is also dangerous because your heart can get freaked out and stop. Um, at, 
at raves, at parties, also mixing alcohol with any drug is dangerous. And why? There's a sign in there. There's a sign in there. It says alcohol plus, plus drugs equals like equals bad news. And and actually, a lot of people are like, no, it's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not the greatest thing to do. Like for instance, most ecstasy overdoses happen when people are drinking alcohol. It's just toxic. And there's some designer drugs that are sold as ecstasy at, at big parties, uh, like 2CT7, which if you mix it with alcohol, it's deadly. Deadly, oh, really? deadly, yes. And so if you don't, again, if you don't have testing, just to promote harm reduction, if you don't have testing facilities, you don't know what you're taking, your risk increases, right? Harm reduction in general um, and, and pill testing and that sort of thing, education, I'm going to guess you feel that that works better than promoting abstinence, especially at raves where people aren't coming here to abstain. Sure. Okay, so I think there's two ways of looking at it. Abstinence is a choice in the harm reduction model, interestingly, right? Harm reduction is simply creating a relationship of honesty and trust by education, by giving someone all the facts. If you look at the traditional abstinence model, often the facts are not given, right? If, if, if you look at uh, teaching safe sex in schools by teaching abstinence-based approach, they don't teach the whole truth. So what you're offering is you're offering every single choice, all the information someone needs to make an educated choice. Abstinence might be within that educated choice, right? So harm reduction is not Doesn't antithetical to, to abstinence. It's not the opposite of abstinence. No. Like, for instance, uh, what I often hear, this old school idea of, uh, well, you're you're promoting sex or you're promoting drugs, right? And the truth is, what we know as harm reduction practitioners is that people are going to do this behavior, right? People are going to do drugs, people are going to drink, people are going to have sex. So when we hide what we do, our risk increases. Fact. Yeah. Our risk increases. So when, when we don't have knowledge about the things that we're doing, yeah. it's it's more bad news. It equals a greater amount of yeah. bad news. It's is a that... new sign. <laughs> it's a new <laughs> sign for the harm reduction test. <laughs> With some people that I've talked to, um, they make a discrepancy between ecstasy and MDMA. Are you are you uh -huh. hearing that from people? And sure, sure, sure. Because back back sure. in my day, I mean, it was just ecstasy, and, yeah. and there wasn't uh, that distinction wasn't made. Ecstasy meant MDMA, and sometimes it was cut with something else. Mm -hmm. But now, are, are you hearing that? Sure. So um, I think part of that is about uh, people that really want to believe that their stuff is pure. <laughs> And I have to say, as a drug tester, uh, you kind of need a time machine to get pure MDMA, right? So ecstasy, my understanding of ecstasy, is a party drug that is usually some MDMA and a bit of speed or a bit of meth or something slipped in there so you can dance for 14 hours straight, right? Um, back in the day, like when MDMA was created and MDA was created, back in the 70s or 80s in the US, it was used for um, couples counseling, and it was super chill. It wasn't, you didn't want to go dance for 12 hours, you wanted to spill your guts to the person you love and tell them every little detail about yourself. Uh, so, so it has been modified. Um, but I think there's kind of a, uh, people have fallen in love with the chemistry of party drugs, and so there's a lot of um, people with knowledge talking a lot. <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? That's debatable. <laughs> um, people are people are trying to be involved, right? And that that has different faces. Interesting. It's yeah. funny. Uh, I'm curious about what that means. A lot of people are very interested now in the chemistry of these drugs, especially MDMA and others. And, yeah. and are you saying are you saying that they they think they know a lot of things that they <laughs> don't actually know anything about? Well, 
I won't, I won't go that far, but I, I think, you know, you always have kind of armchair revolutionaries in the world, and this, this scene is no different. It's like we always get someone, and there's people who have incredible knowledge. There are people who, who are little chemists, like little amateur chemists, right, and have studied this stuff and, and have tested it on themselves and tested it on their friends, and, and so there's a whole spectrum of knowledge out there. Um, but I think kind of there's ownership around the names and the chemistry and like I'm super hardcore. <laughs> I know like yeah, whatever. I, I take I, uh, two CI yeah. ten. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I know that it's methylene dioxide, <laughs> yeah, 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 et cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So that's part of the scene too. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I think you touched on this that um, people make assumptions about the purity of their stuff. Um, yeah. A, a common one that I've heard is that um, when it's powder, yeah. it's pure. But if it's pressed, yeah. oh, it's got stuff in it. I mean, is there any truth to that kind of stuff? Or, okay, or, so, or um, pressed versus um, you know, the capsules? Okay, so what I can say is by merit of a pressed tab, a pressed pill, it's less pure because it has to have a binder in it, right? And it's easier to throw a bunch of... Can I say shit? Throw a bunch of shit in there. It's easier, right? And in our testing, press pills are always, almost always the culprits. Always. And I can actually reveal some information about that later. Um, the caps, if you open up a cap, if, if you're experienced enough, you can open up a cap, you can look at the powder and see if it's mixed. It's not rocket science, right? Uh, but I think there is a, a love affair with this idea of purity, and, and I hear it all the time. Uh, this Shambhala, it's been about 2CB. It's like, it's so pure. I got 2CB, and none of them have been 2CB. <laughs> really? We don't know what they are, but they're not 2CB. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then you're saying you had some information you could give about something? Well, that, that, was, <laughs> that, was, that, it? that was my little gem for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that little, little bonus. Well, um, thank you very much uh, about uh, for speaking to me about this. Yeah. Is there anything else about um, this pavilion that you'd like to, to mention or any? Well, I guess maybe if I can say something about... Um, about partying is uh, just going back to the GHB factor is I just urge people if you're choosing to do GHB as a party drug as a recreational drug be super careful about your dose be super careful about if you are drinking alcohol like don't drink alcohol and take yeah. GHB be really careful about your dose because it goes from you're intoxicated to you're in a coma like that and uh I mean, last year there was something like 15 overdoses for GHB, and it's just really dangerous. So I would love, and it's dangerous on many levels, right? It's like if you're a person passed out on the ground, if you're a young woman passed out on the ground, this is not an innocent world, unfortunately. So but even here in Shambhala, it's not all purely in innocent? Shambhala, yeah, tragically, tragically. There's a dark side to all humanity. So um, I would just urge people to, to be aware if you're choosing, if you're choosing to play, then know what you're playing with. That's what I would say. Yeah. Thank you very much. No probs. No probs, she says. That's Jamie McMeth uh, from Anchors. And uh, by the way, it's methylene dioxymethamphetamine. That's what MDMA stands for. See, I'm so hardcore. <laughs> um, one thing I, wa I wanted to, to add is uh, about this is that uh, Shambhala was uh, an excellent example of uh, harm reduction, the sort of uh, full package of harm reduction, you know, working, the different stations working in context, uh, in concert, sorry. So what I mean is there was the pill testing and sort of information site where Jamie was, and then there was also the uh, first aid tent 
and the sanctuary, which was a place uh, for people who were tripping out to come and just uh, be sort of looked over. They could sit on the couch, have a have a cookie and some water, and just have a professional person to um, mind them, you know, to just look over them. And um, what was great was that people who really should be uh, going to the first aid tent to get care, you know, they, they feel a bit of a stigma that, that you know, they don't want to go see a doctor they're, when they're tripping out. So instead, they went to the harm reduction place and you know started asking some questions and started to engage the people there and once they were engaged in the conversation the the people at the drug testing um, area were able to guide them into the first aid tent so which was a demonstration of of um of what harm reduction is all about it's not just telling people like this is how much you should take to have a good time but also as a sort of um front door to get other help like first aid um yeah okay so that is that now i only have a few minutes left but i do have a few bits of uh music that i do want to play for you uh that includes a bit of bass nectar some more gouty and uh, beardy man so i think uh, i'll try to cram that in in the next uh few minutes before we are completely out of time so here's a little bit of uh beardy man and uh, he's the beat boxer he was inspired by uh beverly hills cop uh, i don't remember his name but you know the the um the fellow in that film who um did amazing things with his voice and sounded like uh all kinds of different uh instruments and objects and so that's uh where he takes his in- in- inspiration and as you'll hear in this clip uh he started out his set um by sounding uh like a, a sound check or a pa system um on an airplane so have a have a quick listen to this So that was Beardy Man, and he was he. That was him making all of those sounds. And I don't know if you heard, but the second time that he went, do 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 do, someone in the audience went, "Oh my god!" 
<laughs> completely lost their lost their s. Uh, okay, so that's a bit of uh, of Beardy Man, and uh, here's a bit of uh, Bass Nectar, and uh, this is him. I believe this is him doing a bit of uh, Massive Attack, and uh, the, whoa, whoa, hey, oh, you be quiet, Beardy Man, and this is. Um, uh, doing, uh, yeah, this is beauty. Oh, wow. I'm having trouble speaking again. This Shambolitis is taking me down. This is Bass Nectar doing Massive Attack. And that was the much-anticipated uh, bass nectar uh, at Shambhala. And, uh, okay, we are really, really, really out of time. So I will leave it there. Uh, no, that's a lie. I won't leave it there. Um, I will leave you with uh, a little bit more of, of uh, Gaudi. Uh, specifically, this is what he ended uh, his night with, and it's uh, Bob Marley. It's uh, his mix of uh, Bob Marley. Uh, what's that song? All right now, da, da, da. yeah, it, it's it's out of my head now. See, Shambolitis has defeated me, so I'm I'm gonna go off and um, and die, and uh, I'll leave you with a bit of Gaudi. And uh, Real to Real is next, and uh, join us uh, next Wednesday for another regularly scheduled arts report. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and have a wonderful week. Bye bye. Struck now, and that will leave space to the people after me. Respect. I really appreciate, guys. You're many people here. I really like you. support artists in general, not only myself, i.e. if you like my music, which is my new album, No Prisoners, please don't download it from Paris and website, otherwise it's a disaster, really. You buy it, yeah? If you don't want it, you don't buy it, very simple. Thank you. Let's not support the wankers.
Radio show. He's proved fresh 